0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're with us as well. So um, uh, one of my favorite things, as long as I can remember, to do in life is to go to the movies. Anybody like going to the movies? Okay, how many of you like to just stay at home and watch the movie? Okay, I don't understand you. That's fine. Hey, whatever. But uh, I love going to the movies. The whole experience, the whole thing. So you, you get to you get get up there, right? You get your tickets. You know, pay a lot of money, which is probably why some of you don't like to go. Um, and then you know, the next step is you walk in, and hopefully you're greeted by someone who's really nice and, and smiling, and they appear as though at least that they. Um, like that you're there with them um, and then you go up into the you know the foyer or foyer for those of you who are fancy um, and you see this big wall of menus for overpriced goods right and you go up you walk up and hopefully the person behind the counter is smiling and they are ready to take your order and you get a, a, a gigantic hundred gallon bucket full of popcorn right You get some popcorn get some butter on it and because you're at the movies right you treat yourself at the movies um get a uh you know a gigantic you know 10 15 gallon bucket of pop you sit it right in front of you you don't even because you don't have cup holders big enough you just sit it there straw you just sit it right in front of you you can drink it the whole time right? Um, and so you can't drink too much because then you don't want to miss any of the movie while the movie's on. So you, you get there, you get your stuff, you walk into the movie theater room where your movie is, you, you sit back, you relax and enjoy the show. That That's how I, like I like going to movies and, and here next Saturday I'm going to go with uh, Xander, one of my boys, we're going to go to the movies together and I did not con him into doing it, okay? It was his idea. Um, and we're going to go watch a movie together. I'm just really looking forward to it. You know, see, here's the thing. When you go to a movie theater, you go there to be entertained and to enjoy your time there, right? Because here's the thing. You know this. I know this. The, the attitude you enter into a place with changes your experience and your actions. See, if I was going to that same movie theater as an employee and I walk in, it's going to be a vastly different experience, a vastly different set of actions that I'm going to take while I'm there if I'm working at the movie theater, right? I would not be going up to the concession stand uh, to order some food. I would be going behind to take the orders or to clean the stuff out of the movie theater when after people make a mess and they leave without cleaning up their mess right like i would have a whole different set of attitude and expectations i probably wouldn't be as happy as if i were there just to watch the movie i'm curious because you know the attitude you enter into a place with changes your actions and your experience what kind of what kind of attitude do you enter into the church gathering with today uh, as as someone who's coming to be served and to be a little bit entertained in the name of Jesus, or uh, to to serve and to contribute, not to consume, but to be a part of this family of believers here at First Church of Christ, to uh, find someone you don't know and to introduce yourself and make sure they feel welcome, because we're all called to practice hospitality. And that is not just at our homes, but it's in our church home as well. What kind of attitude do you enter into the church gathering with that really makes a difference on what you kind of experience when you're here and what what kind of you know experience you walk away with and and this is not just true about places you enter but it's also true about life the attitude you enter into each day with changes your actions and your experience It just does. And today, as we uh, talk about our vision, which uh, if you don't know our vision, our vision here at First Church of Christ, we believe if we live out our mission, which is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus, if we live that mission out, then what we should be doing is building thriving homes and thriving spheres, That, that God wants us to first and foremost thrive in our relationship with him. And then that should create a thriving household, no matter what your household looks like, Um, And then also, it should seep into our spheres of life where the people we work with, the people we live around, the people we uh, are friends with, it should change the way we interact with them in a positive way. And today, we're going to be talking about something that is really practical, um, and it's really just foundational to what we do as followers of Jesus. But the, the key in this is not really whether or not the sermon just touches your heart, but it's whether or not you do anything with it. Because the attitude you enter into the rest of this day and this week with changes your actions and your experience. Do you want to live on an adventure with Jesus? Or do you just want to kind of sit back, relax, and just kind of have life happen to you versus you happen to it in the name of Jesus? Um, I hope and pray that you're ready to follow Jesus into some unknown spaces. And it all begins with what he says is the most important thing. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be jumping into Mark chapter 12. Uh, Mark, Mark chapter 12, uh, Jesus has just gotten done with this theological debate that he is having with the Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection and they were talking about it. Um, you know, you can always remember the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection because they were sad, you see, uh, is an old preacher joke, you know, you still use it and some of you who have heard it a thousand times, just give me a pity laugh, amen. Um, and so they, you know, this, this scribe uh, notices this theological debate that they are having and The scribe is a person who, you know, takes the scriptures and writes them down on other pieces of parchment so that more people can read it. And they were, they like, this was their job every day. They were reading the scriptures and copying it down. And so they were really knowledgeable about what was in the scriptures. And so this scribe comes up to Jesus. This is verse uh, 28 of Mark chapter 12. One of the scribes approached. When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked them, Which command is the most important of all? All right, Jesus, you, you got some good answers, but what is the most important command? Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Then he gave him a little bit more of a bonus because he didn't ask for the second. But the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than These. Jesus is saying all of the 613 uh, commands that were given uh, by God to Moses, through him, to Israel, they can all be summed up in those two. It all comes down to whether or not you love God with every fiber of your being and every part of your heart and your life, and whether or not you love your neighbor as you love yourself, your, your neighbor. What is a neighbor? It's someone who's near you, Right? The, some, the someone who's near you. Like Jesus wanted us to understand our neighbor as being because he told this in Luke. And this is where we get the Good Samaritan story um, where he, he told a story about, okay, because this person asked him, who is my neighbor? And, and Jesus had the hero of the story be a Samaritan person and was telling the story to a Jewish person who would have never thought about the Samaritan person being the hero in a story. But he was the one who cared for the person who was left for dead and beaten. He was the one who gave him a place to live and some food to eat and some bandage for his wounds. And so that person was the person's neighbor. And so Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Who are we supposed to love? Well, everyone. Everyone and anyone we come into contact with or anyone we uh, know of or really we are supposed to, called to, love every single person. If you follow Jesus, if you don't follow Jesus, then you don't have that standard, but that's what God would want for you. Love your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to be a good neighbor? You love them uh, like a good neighbor? State farm is there. Uh, right? A, a good neighbor is there. there for you. Uh, you know, I'm curious, just to consider this, like, how many of your neighbors, your actual neighbors, how many of them how, how many of them do you know? how many how many of their names do you know um how many of your actual names because in, included in this is not just everyone theoretical but it's actually also the people you are in close proximity to how many of your actual neighbors do you know by name see sarah and i um you know growing up i did not have a like an example in front of me of what it looked like to be a good neighbor to other people, especially trying to be someone who loves my neighbors as I love myself. Um, growing up, I grew up on the south side of Fort Wayne in Wayndale, and um, I had uh, neighbors all around me. But I can tell you this, like I, did ne- I never knew the names of the people who lived right next to us or across the street from us. I just never knew those names. There were never moments where my parents were talking to and conversing with our actual neighbors. I had my group of friends who were down the street and around the corner. Um, my three best friends growing up in Waynedale, like we hung out and, and ran together and did all kinds of stuff together, got to know their parents and their parents kind of got to know my parents, but never on any kind of relational level. It was just more like, hey, let's make sure our kids don't die, you know, because that's teamwork makes the dream work. Right. Um, and so that helped, but, um, it, but not that they really kept the a lot of an eye on us and it was a different time. Um, but I never really got to know my neighbors. So, you know, if there was any conversation about the neighbors, it was more about the neighbors being a nuisance, you know? Um, but, but that changed, you know, we started to follow Jesus later in life and, and Sarah and I got married and we started, uh, living at Canterbury Green Apartments as a rental and we never got to know our neighbors. Um, and then we moved to Cincinnati and we had more rentals and, there were only a couple of times where we actually got to know one of our actual literal neighbors by name and on a relational level. And by the time we got to and started making some headway with our literal actual neighbors, we moved again because we were renting. And it wasn't until we got our, bought our first home in Cincinnati that we really started to say, okay, we, we really we really need to try and get to know our neighbors because we were Jesus followers. And we knew that God wants us to love everyone and kind of start where we are. And so we started to make a more of an effort and we're just, you know, it's, it's awkward sometimes. And sometimes you got antisocial neighbors who don't want to be near you or talk to you or make eye contact with you. And so you got all kinds of challenges. And for some of you live in like a more rural setting and, um, you, you, you know, your, your closest neighbor is like miles away, then you, you have your own kind of challenges there. But more on that later. Um, all of us have different challenges when it comes to neighboring. And really the, the title of our message today is the art of neighboring, because I think the art of neighboring is really necessary for us to love our neighbor as Jesus tells us to, um, and to have a thriving sphere. But going on, like we we started to move to Bluffton and we got to know our neighbors a little bit. But again, it just depends on the neighbors you have on whether or not they're going to want to be in relationship with you. And so we've had some moments of awkwardness. And um, finally starting to make some headway. I believe with the relationships with our neighbors. But I'm curious for you. How many neighbors of yours do you know? By name. Maybe maybe your acquaintance. Maybe you're even in relationship. Um, I've had some good examples of neighbors in my life though. Uh, my stepfather-in-law, Brian. Uh, you want to raise your hand, Brian? You didn't know this was going to happen. Uh, One of the the best examples of being a neighbor I've seen, Um, they live uh, in the middle of the country. And so, you know, you can't really throw a stone to their neighbor's. Not that any of us would want to do that. Like, why do we say that? A stone's throw away, you know, like, because you tried and you hit their window. Like, that's not a good way to do neighboring. Uh, so I don't recommend that. But, um, you know, even though they live not in super close proximity to other people, uh, there, there are, Brian's been there for long enough to where he's built roots and he knows the people who live around him. And he makes it a point to help them. And uh, he's always talking about how he's over at Mark's house and uh, helping him with something and uh, helping somebody else with fixing something else. And just that, that a good neighbor is there, right? Like a good neighbor, Brian's there, right? Um, (laughs) um, And so like you you start to see people. And so like those of you who live in the country, like, I'm sorry, Brian's right here. And he has a good example of how that's really not an excuse to not neighbor well. Um, You know, when this past winter, when we got uh, a bunch of snow for like one day, uh, one of our neighbors came down and used a snowblower because I don't have one and snowblowed our our driveway. Not because I asked, but just they did it. And that was wonderful and super kind of them to do that. And then um, a couple of years ago, when we had the first season of The Thrive Show, our podcast and YouTube show, um, Aaron and Ashley Wood had an episode on neighboring. And they, they talked about how uh, you know they started to uh, get, get their home and, and they wanted to fix it up and they moved up in home and to the home that they're in now and how Ashley felt this uh, desire to stay where they were so they can build roots and make a difference in the neighborhood that they lived because they saw the connection between loving Jesus and loving their neighbor and actually how that actually translates to loving your actual neighbors. She talked about developing a missional mindset. Um, I don't think she knew I was going to quote her in this either, Um, but she had this quote, and I think it was really good, um, that, that our goal should be to reach them in tangible ways so that when they see you, they see Jesus. To reach them in tangible ways so that when they see you, they see Jesus. So she talked about making their Home and open home and available and their, their yard to be open and available for kids to play and uh, getting to know the parents of the, the kids who are over and just being there, being an ear to hear when someone is struggling, just being there to show the love of Jesus in very ordinary and practical and everyday ways and just so you know the the ways we actually love our neighbors are in many ways the ways that we tend to discount too often um, but that is what they have adopted as a missional mindset because you and i are followers of jesus and jesus has a mission for us to accomplish on this earth while we are here we're not just saved and waiting for heaven to come one day We are called to be followers of Jesus who are bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth as it is in heaven, to doing God's will on earth as it is in heaven versus waiting for just that moment when we breathe our last and we're able to be with God forever. Like that's going to come, but Jesus promised abundant life now too, not just someday when. Uh, Let's look at this again. This is what Jesus calls us to do. This is really our foundational thing. And while it's so simple to say, it's really, really difficult to live out. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked them, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered them. The most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. So one of the challenges that we find ourselves with as Christians today is that we end up theoretically loving our theoretical neighbors because we don't put faces to them. We don't put names to them. We live in a culture where it's common um, for for many of us, you got a garage that's attached to the house, you pull up, you pull your vehicle in, if it's not, you know, your garage not full filled with stuff, and, and then you close the garage door, you walk inside, and you never had any moment or opportunity uh to actually converse with anyone around you, right? You can kind of avoid people pretty well these days. Um but in a society where loneliness is an epidemic. And isolation is common. Um, people are needing their neighbors more than ever. And I believe, as, as this fine group of people, um, if you were involved in your neighbor's lives, then you would make a huge difference in a positive way in their lives, in practical ways. If you just did more of what Jesus is saying, and I know many of you already do, but um, this, this, is a, this is a challenge. Because, you know, we, we are set apart and chosen for a mission and, you know, we have to remember the attitude you enter into a place with changes your actions and your experience. If we don't see that we are sent, if we don't see that we are supposed to make a difference, then we won't make a difference like we're supposed to. See, we are set apart to be heralds of the king, to be representatives of our savior and witnesses to his goodness and power, and this That kind of thing, that action, that can happen in driveways, that can happen on sidewalks, that can happen in side yards, front yards, backyards, at dinner tables, through text messages, on walks, during game nights, in lament and listening when someone just needs an ear to hear, and so many other seemingly ordinary situations. That's when it happens. You know, sometimes with enough time, you can be rooted in a place where you just kind of, by happenstance, get to know people just because you've had enough time there. But if you want to get to know people around you, and even if you don't, Jesus told you to, so here you, here you are. Um, if you want to love your neighbor as you love, as you love yourself and obey Jesus, then it requires some intentionality. You know, for those of you, um, maybe in workplace, you, uh, have hired people, you, maybe you're a supervisor or a business owner, um, you have done interviews, maybe you work in HR, um, many of you know that one of the kind of like, uh, worst kind of questions you can ask are theoretical questions to a candidate. Hey, what, what would you do if you were in this situation? That's not a really great question to ask, um, you're asking questions, that's good, but that's not really a great question to ask. A better question is, um, hey, Tell me about a time you faced this situation and how you dealt with it. That's that's actually based on experience, not theory. Too often times, we love our theoretical neighbor in a theoretical way, which means we never love them in a real way. And, And we don't know them enough to actually love them as we love ourselves. It requires some movement toward them. I mean, this this is what Jesus told his disciples before he ascended to the throne room in heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, hey, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is a witness? Jesus says, hey, that's, that's who you are and... Remember, the attitude you enter into life with changes your experience and your actions. So if you enter into your everyday life as a witness of Jesus, that should change your actions and your experience. If you've been feeling like, ah, there's just this, is this all that there is to this Christian life? I feel like there needs to be more. Well, it's probably because you're not in relationship with people who don't know Jesus. It's probably because you've just gotten stuck in the same kind of relationships you've always been in. But Jesus says, you are. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to, to the ends of the earth. And what that means is he's saying, you're going to be my witnesses right where you are to start. So what is a witness? A witness is someone who comes up and testifies about something, right? I've got a testimony to share. I am a witness of God's work. Here's what I know. If any of you have followed Jesus for a time, you've ever prayed prayers, you've ever gotten to the point where you are um, uh, poor in spirit, as Jesus said in the uh, Beatitudes. If you've gotten to a point where you've gotten on your knees and you needed God to show up, where you, or maybe you realized that you were sinful and you repented and you turned to Jesus for salvation and new life. If you've ever gotten to that point, then you've got a story. You've got a testimony. You you are a witness of God's goodness. Uh, By a show of hands, how many of you have a story of Jesus showing up in your life? Are you sure? Those of you who don't have your hand up. If you've ever followed him for any period of time, you've got a story. And Jesus is calling us to be loving enough to the people around us where we would actually testify by our actions and our words and by our actual practical deeds of love that Jesus is king, that Jesus is good, that Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. That is what we are called to. See, the attitude you enter into life with changes your experience and your actions. If you believed that you yourself were a witness of Jesus every day of your life, then that would change the way you lived. It would mean that you would prioritize relationships with people you're in relationship with and with people you might not be in relationship with yet it would change things but but oftentimes for for you and for me our biggest challenge is our calendar it's our schedule right the reason why we're going from one thing to the next and leaving the house and never really home long enough to be around our neighbors let alone get to know them is because we have schedules that are just jam packed john ortberg and his book the life you've always wanted said hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day he talks about this idea as a of a hurry sickness and how many of us are suffering from hurry sickness because we've got so much stuff going on and he said this is the greatest spiritual um, enemy in our life today because jesus's foundational command to us is to love people and and love requires time and time is the very thing that hurried people don't have so if you're always going, you don't have enough time to be loving to the people in your home, let alone the people in your sphere. So like it's it's really vital that we allow Jesus to not only shape our beliefs, but shape our actions and that gets even granular enough to change the way we spend our time. And I get it, like the the this calendar if you looked at our Google Calendar, like, is just colorful with stuff on it all the time. All the stuff. Four kids in stuff, you know, coaching, softball, uh, leading uh, as, as, a, as a pastor in the church and all the other things that, that we've got going on that just fill our days. It can be hard to prioritize this, but Jesus is calling us to. So let me ask you this question. How can you actually love your actual neighbors like Jesus loves you? How can you actually love your actual neighbors like Jesus loves you? I'm so glad you asked that question. That's such a great question to ask, church. Good job. Uh, I've got some ideas for you, okay? So some real practical ways that we can love our actual neighbors in actual ways so that we can love them like Jesus loves us. Here's some real simple things. Spend more time in your front yard, spend more time in your front yard. I know we like we our front porches are becoming less common, back decks are far more common, um, and you know like we we just want to spend time on the back patio by ourselves. But what if we spent more time in the front yard? I believe it would make more opportunities, just practically speaking, of people walking by. Possibly, if you're in a neighborhood um where you can get to know people on a more personal level. If you're out in the in the in the country, then you know that your your front yard is still a good place because you still will have more opportunities to meet people that way. You might have to get a little bit more creative, you know, um to, to get to know them on a more personal level, but look for ways to do it. It takes intentionality. Um go walks go on walks around your neighborhood if you have a neighborhood. Uh slow down when you do. Look up. Don't try to avoid eye contact. Introduce yourself. Hi. I don't think we've met before. I'm Brandon. What's your name? And then just go from there. Because sometimes you'll be on a walk around your neighborhood and somebody will be coming out uh, to, to get his mail. And you'll make eye contact. And he'll make eye contact. You'll smile and you introduce yourselves. And then you'll spend the next 35 minutes talking to uh, a widower who lost his wife who really needed someone to talk to. And you just get to connect with one of your neighbors whom you've never met before, but you just get to talk to them because you were open to it. You could have just walked by, avoided the eye contact, just waved. But sometimes God creates some opportunities where you can just be a blessing in someone's life because you were open and you were there like a good neighbor. You could be there. So so go on walks. Um, You know, if you don't, if you're like, all right, Brandon, uh, I don't have a neighborhood. People don't live very close to me at all. In fact, the the person who lives close to me is like five miles away. So there, this ain't no apply to me. Um, Well, if you don't have a residential neighbor, you probably got a work neighbor. You probably got a work neighbor. And if you're like, oh, well, Brandon, I'm retired. (laughs) Okay, well, you probably spend some time some places, right? You probably got a McDonald's neighbor. You might got a Hardy's neighbor or a Hughes Coffeehouse neighbor. Or if you just literally don't go anywhere ever, um, maybe you should get out more. Okay? Because Jesus says you're supposed to love people. And if you ain't around people, you can't love people. Yeah. Uh, so that, there that is. So in your face, back at you. Um <laughs> Invite your neighbors over for dinner. Or throw a fun party. Do random acts of kindness. Uh, the, in the book, there's a book called The Art of Neighboring where I get this idea from, um, this specific application idea. They, they break it down into something that's really helpful, like in every relationship we have with our neighbors. You either have strangers, acquaintances, and relationships. If you look up on the screen, there's strangers, acquaintances. And relationships that all of us probably have some neighbors who fit into one of those buckets, right? Whether they're work neighbors, residential neighbors, whatever it is. Um, so, one of the goals, right? If you are going to love your neighbor, then you got to go from stranger at least to acquaintance, where you know their name. How many of your neighbors? How many? Of the, how, how many of your neighbors do you at least know their name? Then, then you probably are at a point with some of them where you're acquaintance. That's cool. You can say, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, and start talking about the day or whatever. Um, one of the ways that they said, hey, is a great way to go from stranger to acquaintance and make an opportunity for relationship is to uh, do a, uh, basically like draw out on a piece of paper six houses and just write down the names of the people you know and then identify the houses in which are the neighbors you don't know and then make it a point to try and get to know those people, to at least get to know their name. And then after that, you could even host... A block party, a little party in your neighborhood, where you invite everyone. To, you know, you get your smokers, you get the the Blackstones, all the dads who are super awesome at grilling, um, and they want to you know do all the things. And you know, you got one of the guys who's like, I gotta, I gotta grill, and I'll I'll cook the hot dogs on it. And you are like, bless you, sir. Amen. Because, uh, you know, it's more fancy than hot dogs you can do. But anyway, even if you got hot dogs, it's not that important what you eat. It's just that you get people together. Um, there, there was this uh, couple who told a story, Tom and Angela, who really took this kind of challenge to heart. They live in Golden, Colorado, and, and they really made it a point to get to know their neighbors. And what they just started to do is like, all right, we're going to start spending more time in the front yard. They had this young kids, which, by the way, is the secret weapon of getting to know people, is having kids. You know, so grandparents, just bring your grandkids over. It's the secret weapon. It's just magical that way. Um, but they uh, were having the kids play more in the front yard, and then more of the kids came over. You know, you can be that house in the neighborhood if you have a neighborhood uh, where people flock to and, and congregate around. Uh, And then the parents started coming and started having conversations with the parents. And then conversations started to ensue. And, um, you know, they started like, let's do a picnic. This is just the neighbor's idea. Like, let's do a picnic together. That'd be fun. Then eventually they they like rented a bounce house, put in the front yard. Everyone's, you know, playing and doing a potluck. and, And they spent time with people. And that opened up opportunities to have people in their home and actually have meals and build in relationships to the point now where they... Uh, Tom will get, like, job offers to go other places and maybe make more money, and they choose to not go with that because they have planted roots right where they are. See, we are called to be witnesses of Jesus right where we are, in your Jerusalem. Where is your Jerusalem? You know, maybe it's, maybe it's State Road 1. Maybe it's Willowbrook Trail. Maybe it's Wiley Avenue. Maybe it's Spring Street. Whatever your Jerusalem is, use that space to be a witness of Jesus. Get to know your actual neighbors. And here's the thing. This is something that's so cool that God has done in our lives. Um, Acts chapter 17, verses 26 to 27. Uh, in this, we, we see something really, really uh, supernatural about something that we would think of as ordinary. Uh, this is what it says: From one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth, and has determined their appointed times and their boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they may they might seek God, and perhaps they might reach out and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. This is not the point of the passage in the context of this passage, but it does give you a truth nugget that maybe where you live right now is not so much of a coincidence, but it is a God incident. That, that he has appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. Where you live right now for this time right now. God wants to use you to reach those around you. Because we live in a time where people are isolated and we have a loneliness epidemic. We have a lot more people spending a lot less time with people. And maybe you would agree with that. Maybe that's true for you as well. You know, like Mr. Rogers said, Won't you be my... Neighbor, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? I believe there are probably a lot of people around us, whether at work or in our uh, actual neighborhoods, there are a lot of people who are asking that question deep down in their heart. They're, They're wanting someone to just step out. And be their neighbor. To be the neighbor who goes from just being acquaintance to a relationship. And I just believe, like, as followers of Christ, who have been changed by Jesus and are indwelled by the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living inside of each and every one of us, who have called upon the name of Jesus, I just believe that that, that you are the answer, that I am the answer to this problem that we face in our neighborhoods of, of people needing other people to actually love them well. And I think there's no mistake that Jesus told us to love our neighbors. Yes, to love everyone. But what if he was calling you to love your actual neighbors like he loves you? I believe he is. And I believe that you can make a difference by just choosing to love them in ways that they allow. Because sometimes they're going to be like antisocial and that's Okay. But you follow Jesus, and you can just make it a point to look for opportunities to bless them in the name of Jesus. Yes, to help them, and so you show them your good works, and they will glorify your Father in heaven, uh, is what Scripture says. But also be willing to be a witness with your words when the time is right. How can you actually love your actual neighbors like Jesus loves you? I believe if we're actually asking that question and we're seeing that we are witnesses of Jesus called to do this, then I believe God is going to show you opportunities to be good neighbors to the people around you. Whether it be at work, whether it be at home, whether that be at whatever organization you're volunteering at, whether or not it's just you saying, oh yeah, I guess I do need to get out of the house a little bit more and be around more people. Um, He's going to show you to people Uh, whom you need to enter into at least an acquaintance with and eventually a relationship with. But it's just a matter of saying yes to that nudge of the Holy Spirit guiding you. Some of you are introverts, and I know, like, you don't want to do that. But Jesus didn't say, hey, you're going to be my witnesses, all you extroverts. It's just the introverts, as some of the extroverts laugh. (laughs) It's going to be all of us, not because it's your personality, but because it's your identity. You are a child of God called to be a witness of his. And so the choice is yours. The choice is mine on whether or not we will just be intentional with that call. Church, would you stand? We're going to pray and sing to our awesome God. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us here today. And God, I'm so grateful that um, while we were in our own, the midst of our mess of life, that you saw it fit to have God the Son, second member of the Trinity, Jesus of Nazareth, move into our neighborhood, move to earth, to to draw near to us, to move among us, to show us what your love is like and to ultimately die for the payment of our sins, to endure the wrath of what we deserve so that we have an opportunity to be in proximity to you for all of eternity. Um, God, uh, as we are here today, please draw our hearts ever closer to the call of mission that you have given us. That, that you are with us and you're calling us to follow you, to, to eat with people, to have meals with each other, to, to welcome them into our homes, to get to know them in our driveways, on the sidewalks, um, wherever it is that we are, across the, the office, in the break room, wherever it is. God, help us to be witnesses of yours who can testify to your goodness and your grace because we want more people to know you like we know you. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.